This podcast is brought to you by Hostfully. We make property management software and digital guidebooks. To learn more and sign up for our industry newsletter, please visit Hostfully.com. Hey, fellow hosts. If you want to take your hosting business to the next level, then join the Short-Term Rental Profit Academy. Whether you own, rent, or manage properties, we have the resources, the tools, and the community to help you achieve your goals. The Short-Term Rental Profit Academy is ready for any host, any size, and includes a membership portal with over 50 hours of video lessons, a private Facebook group, and weekly live coaching calls, where Eric and I give you direct feedback and help you solve your biggest challenges. We're all about taking action and getting results. So if you're ready to start crushing it, sign up for our program at strprofitacademy.com. Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. Get paid for your pad. Get paid for your pad. Get paid for your pad. Welcome to another episode of Get Paid for Your Pad. Today, my guest on the show is Mr. Ryan Anderson. He had a significant short-term rental management business, um, but uh, through the crisis, he's, uh, he's downsized and he's really pivoted his uh, business model. So that's what we're going to be talking about uh, today. Uh, so Ryan, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Jasper. Glad to be here. Absolutely. So you're, you're the CEO and founder of Sojourn. Can you tell us a little bit more about your business, how it was pre-COVID and, and what it looks like now? So Sojourn was doing uh, the master lease Airbnb model. Um, we had initially started in Los Angeles and expanded into Arizona, then into uh, New York City, Puerto Rico, Mexico, and Colombia. Pre-COVID, we were close to 200 active units across those four countries and all those markets. Post-COVID, we've given back a lot of our master lease units, uh, almost all of them, to be completely honest. And what, what, do you, what, what, what does your business look like right now? Right now, um, we're sitting on... So I, we made the determination that on a lower margin business, the master lease model, we've clearly seen that it's, uh, it's problematic. WeWork had that problem in the corporate office space, and we've seen larger, you know, the large fundraise players like Day Alfred and Laird shutting down, Saunders downsizing, all of that. So, you know, when you when the cash flow stops, there's only so many months you can go before all the cash gets burned up on that model. So, um, our intention and our shift is looking at actually one. I I truly believe that the owner operators are going to win in the long run just based on when we look at how the hotel industry evolved. Hotels didn't disconnect themselves from being the owners of the assets like heavily until the 90s when the strategy changed. Uh, but by then, you know, all these hotel companies have built up such good brand, brand recognition and goodwill that they, they could carry themselves on that alone to maintain these long-term management contracts on these assets. Mm -hmm. So I firmly believe that in the long run, the owner-operators are going to be the winners just because there's only so much meat on the bone. So we're, we're looking at getting launched on some real estate investment syndications, start light, buying up uh, multifamily 
complexes where we can run on a flexible living model. Not necessarily short term because we see that the trends also that we're getting longer term stays right now, but people want the turnkey options, they want the flexibility. And then there's a little side pivot that we're also kind of doing. We're just testing the market, but we're, we're testing the market for camper van rentals as well. So uh, we're doing our first custom camper van conversion and we're working on it right now. Test one, see how it goes. The market's been, the demand for camper van rentals has been going up dramatically in the last, uh, basically ever since COVID started because people still want to travel, but they're afraid of, they're afraid of flying. They're afraid to go to urban markets uh, or they don't even desire to. And that's where Sojourn was heavily concentrated in big major cities. So um, it's to be determined. We'll see. But the data suggests that it should go well. So, Yeah, and that's something that we've seen uh, across a lot of markets where the international travel has pretty much come to a halt. Um, as you said, people still want to go on holiday. Um, so they're looking at destinations that are closer to their home, you know, secondary markets, drive to destination. And, uh, and people are really looking to socially distance themselves, right? So I can imagine that, uh, you know, staying at a large hotel that has like thousands of rooms is, is also not very attractive, right? And so you mentioned the camper van. That's a really interesting, interesting point, right? Because that, that kind of fits everything that people are looking for right now, right? They don't really want to mix with other people, but they also, they don't want to fly anywhere. So just renting a, a camper van and, you know, driving around for a week through nature to, you know, through remote areas. That to me sounds like almost like the perfect COVID holiday, if you will. Yeah, and I'll be completely honest. There was also the point where I was like, you know, I had moved to Puerto Rico three years ago for their tax laws, tax advantages. Uh, no tax advantages to take advantage of at the moment. <laughs> Too many losses piled up. Um, you know, I, I was realizing oh, I'm going to have to go back to Los Angeles to regroup. And, you know, I, I, I have apartments here still that we're, we're operating and I just didn't want to have to move into them because they're so expensive. I was like, well, I could just build like a, a nice posh camper van and just live out of that with the rest of the Venetians and Venice Beach. So... <laughs> Um, <laughs> so it, it's a bit of a, a hedge on my own living costs at the same time, but, um, it, it's certainly something to be excited about, which is certainly everyone needs something to be excited about right now. Uh, yeah. it's, it's hard. It's, I, I think people are finding it's hard and difficult to have something to be excited about, but I mean, I, I'm assuming we'll get into this, but like, you know, as an entrepreneur, it's always, uh, we have to carry, like, we always have to have that tremendous hope and that optimism. To, to see through any dark time. And, uh, you know, I would say it, it is incredibly difficult right now with the pandemic and COVID to think that way, but like being able to just try something new, try something different, take a new risk, uh, a calculated risk, like don't be a dummy, but like just in order just even to keep momentum going and to not become stuck in a state of inertia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, you bringing up the camper vans reminds me, I interviewed somebody from uh, Outdoorsy. Have you, have you heard of yeah. Outdoorsy? Oh, of course. Right. Yeah. So, um, so I remember when I was talking uh, about Outdoorsy, I can't remember which episode it was, but it was a while ago. He was telling me that there were some entrepreneurs who were renting camper vans 
or even buying camper vans to rent them out on outdoorsy and they were making uh some of them are doing really well with that and what what i found interesting about the camper van model as well is that you can move it right so for example let's say you know of course there's uh there's festivals like burning man but also let's say there's a there's a festivals you know obviously the festivals right now are not you know they're not happening but that was just something that I found interesting. It's like you can, it's a home that you can move around. So you can kind of drive it to whatever the demand is. But yeah, are you, are you looking to, to buy the camper vans or, or are you looking to rent them and then re-rent them? Re- oh, so like we, I already bought one. So we bought like a Ford okay. Transit 350 cargo van. So it's the same vans you see the Amazon trucks driving all over the place. I mean, and it's literally like, it's just like an aluminum box. So right. we're going to be building a, a little house on wheels. Um, and that you're right about that. Like, I mean, it's mobile, it can go anywhere. So like, uh, you know, homes aren't so mobile, uh, that (laughs) that, strategy for being able to adjust to wherever the demand is geographically. Right. So right now people want to be as remote as possible. So you could, you know, park it on the mountain somewhere in the middle of nowhere. You could, you could even create a Airbnb listing, right. With a mobile home. Some of those listings do really, really well. Like I've seen like, uh, what you call them, um, those Airstreams. Yeah, Airstreams. Yeah, and you know, cause it's all about the experience, right? So if you create like a, just a cool experience around it and take some, take some good pictures in, in, in like a great location, I could totally see that doing pretty well. Yeah, in the early days when we got started, so I got into the, the business, uh, the Airbnb ecosystem in 2013, but I got into it in Venice Beach. And the reality was I, I I was working for another startup. I had bailed a company in Costa Rica, moved back to the United States, broke, um, was working on another, I was working for another startup, uh, but I wanted to get back to being an entrepreneur. And uh, I ended up like leaving that startup, but I still didn't have any money. So I just threw my place on Airbnb in Venice Beach back then. And obviously it did very well. And that was how I, I broke into the ecosystem. But in the early days in Venice, like, there were a lot of airstreams and trailers in people's backyards in Venice Beach and Los Angeles that were on Airbnb. Unfortunately, when Los Angeles passed their regulation, finally, in 2018, one of the rules was you couldn't have a non-permanent structure like an RV or a camper, like housing people. So you weren't going to get a home sharing permit. So people have to be mindful of what the regulations are in their, their cities and their areas. And if they want to be scofflaws, that's their own decision. I mean, I've been known to be a scofflaw a ton, so I get it. But that game eventually catches up to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, I, if I'm honest, I, I've been in the gray zone a little bit uh, in the past as well. But, uh, mm-hmm. but I agree with you. If you want to build something sustainable, then uh, you want to comply with all the laws and regulations. Um, going back to that master lease model, I mean, you, you mentioned a lot, of, a lot of people that are running that model have gotten burned, um, even the bigger players. Uh, you mentioned Stale, Fred, Lyric, Sondler. Do you think that model is, is now gone? Do you think everyone's just going to pivot to a different model? No, I don't think it's gone because this was the problem with the model. It just said, um, I mean, it's a function of supply and demand. And so if your rent basis is okay, based on what you can earn, like versus short term, I mean, it's really about like, what do you, what do you have to pay to, how much do you have to pay to earn, make that dollar of uh, profit, right? Or however you want to look at it. And so like, so we, we acquired host tonight and we went into Latin America. And one of the big reasons I did that was I was very concerned one about 
regulation in the United States, so the cities were heating up, but also all the big venture-funded uh, players, like the Saunders, uh, the Stay Alfred, Sidonio, the Lyrics, what I was witnessing in the United States across all these cities, they, they were all competing and bidding up like the prices of getting these leases. And there was a point where it fundamentally didn't make sense, like what they were paying. Like, this is so risky. And I knew no one was really doing it down south, like south of the border. But even like the, the counterparties that like the people that we worked with south of the border, they were, they were multinational U.S.-based private equity real estate firms. So even in the negotiations, I, I feel that same pricing pressure was coming through when we were negotiating our, our master lease contracts in Mexico and so forth in Puerto Rico. So do I think it'll come back? Yeah, I think what's going to happen, you know, what has happened is people, we've had this big shock economically. A lot of the supply has gone away. You have the guys who are tough and tenacious and are figuring out how to hold on to the supply and we'll figure out how to get through this crisis. And then they're going to see, like, when things normalize again at some point in the future, they're going to see big returns again. And then what's going to happen is other people are going to say, oh, there's returns here. Let's, let's do this. But it's like the stock market. It's a moving target, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. What are some of the learning lessons for you going through this crisis? I imagine it must have been a pretty stressful time. Yeah, I mean, having to shut down so much. I mean, as of today, I only have five properties that we're, we're working with. And uh, three of them are on the long-term market. And I have two in Venice Beach, so we're running short-term. We do have contracts in Colombia, once things normalize, to take on over 100 apartments. Um, and that would be under the management model, right? But it's very hard, you know, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, to go through that. This isn't the first time that I've taken a, a major hit uh, in the game. So it's not my first company. So that probably makes it a little easier to deal with. There's a couple of big learnings I have here. One is you've got to stay focused on fundamentals. So we started trying to, let's call it blitz scale in Latin America. And, you know, for Sojourn in the last two years, like I probably we probably raised brought in like 1.5 to 1.8 million in debt and equity but we were trying to move fast because we we're watching our competitors move fast in the united states and you know one of the things that we had been looking at for well i had been looking at for several years was like you, know, you really got to be the owner operator because your landlords are always going to be able to squeeze you or increase rent unless you really lock in very long-term leases but then on the flip side of locking a long-term lease, well, what happens when you can't pay it? I mean, we had buildings with 10-year leases when COVID like, was happening. It's like, uh, okay, we have to negotiate and get out of this because 10 years of rent, I mean, that's a lot of money that we're on the hook for. So we should have been paying closer attention to the fundamentals. Um, the one thing that's like, Cash flow is great when things were on and then it all stopped, okay? I look back over the last three years, the one property I bought where we, me and some partners, we bought a, a high-rise condo in Vegas. We put 21000 on the down payment, like nothing. It was 5%. And then we put another 24000 into furnishings and design. I still own that property with an investor, but you know our equity is now at like 150000 That's what it grew to over three years. And like, 
We got a long-term renter in there. We're not losing the property. So we're not losing the asset. We're not losing the wealth generation. And I honestly, I kick myself that I, I knew this. I felt this. I have a finance background. I used to work on Wall Street. And I always have been of the mindset, you got to be the asset owner if you really want to build wealth over time. And had I put more energy into, you know, actually acquiring real estate assets and operating less, well, I'd be in a better position. We'd be in a better position right now. So one key takeaway is don't get caught up into the hype and the noise surrounding you. You know, you got to look at the fundamentals. You got to look at what makes sense financially. And you got you to gotta stay kind of disciplined and strict with that because there was a lot of hype and noise. And I mean, for these companies that had raised so much money to just vanish overnight, I mean, it's kind of insane. Yeah, 100%. Hello from San Francisco. This podcast is brought to you by Hostfully. We make property management software and digital guidebooks for companies all around the world. We're grateful to join Jasper in helping property managers get through this tough time with information and insights that can help their business. As a company, we're also trying to find all the ways that we can help. We can share resources, and we're already doing that on our blog. And another idea that the team came up with is using Hostfully guidebooks as local guides for emergency services. So far, we've built guides for Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam, Albuquerque, New Mexico, and also Alcoholics Anonymous. If this is an idea that you'd like to do, we would love to help you out. Please email me at margo at hostfully.com, and I can show you how to get started. And you can also, of course, sign up for our blog at hostfully.com too. We hope that you and your family and loved ones are healthy and happy, and we trust that we are going to get through this together. Take care. I like what you're saying. Like we have to stay focused. We have to stay disciplined. We have to stay. We have to look at the fundamentals of our of our business model. We have to think about you know what are the different scenarios that could unfold and how we do in those scenarios. Um, but at the same time, you know, I I think you've been an entrepreneur for a very long time, right? Yeah, about the last decade. I. It's been about a decade. Right. Yeah. So, and and an entrepreneur is always an entrepreneur in their heart. I mean, it was always like, it's, you know, since I was a little kid, like I had that itch to just always do my own thing and play by my own rules. So, right. Yeah. And that's what I, that's the point I was trying, I was going to make is like, you know, on one hand you want to stay disciplined, but at the same time, it's, it's also sort of uh, natural to, to jump on opportunities. Right. So, you know, when you see that opportunity in that master lease model where you can rental these apartments and you're making like 2x renting them out short term, you know, I think a lot of a lot of entrepreneurs like yourself saw that opportunity and, and jumped on it, which is uh, it's understandable because it's just it's just it's just kind of out there. You know, it's, you know, fairly straightforward, fairly simple to monetize it. Right. Yeah. That opportunity. You so you've been in, in in quite a few countries, right? You mentioned uh, Colombia, you mentioned Mexico, Puerto Rico. Um, I was going to ask you why why did you go into so many different markets? Because uh, you know most most operators they they kind of stick to their their one market. Is that because you mentioned like you were just seeing the competition in in the major U.S. markets uh, rise so much that you wanted to look for opportunities outside? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one, uh, going back, I, I was concerned about regulation in the United States. When you get into emerging markets, like governments are just less organized. They're slower. Also, our industry, you know, we drive a lot of tax dollars. Everybody drives a lot of tax dollars to like the cities. Now, maybe the cities say we don't want it, right? Because they 
got the hotels have them in their back pocket. But it's not the same sentiment south of the border. So regulation, I wasn't concerned that regulation would do what it was doing in the United States because these countries, they need that money. And tourism's a much larger share of their economy too. So they're generally much more tourism friendly. And to clarify, we didn't just like go and launch all these markets at once. You know, we, we acquired and brought in host tonight that was already operating in New York City, Mexico City, and Bogota, and um, Cartagena, Colombia. So we were leaning on host tonight for, you know, expertise in those Latin cities. I had initially kind of worked on it to expand it in, well, I, I took it from LA, launched Arizona, um, and that was, that was a play just on the regulation because the state had made it so you couldn't make Airbnb as illegal. And then I, and I was launching Puerto Rico. But I will say, House and I operated on the co-hosting model. It only did single channel like uh, advertising on Airbnb. And so there was a messy transition and like getting that team all up to speed on doing like the full service advertising distribution across multiple channels, what that means, how that had to be set up. If I were to do it over, I would have done it slower. I wouldn't have deployed as much resources right out of the gate towards it. It just would have taken more time and been more patient because acquisitions are messy. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're General Electric, if you're Amazon, if you're Marriott acquiring Starwood, acquisitions are always messy. Yeah, and that's, that's interesting that you mentioned, you know, going slower um, because, I mean, one thing over the last three years or so, and I mean, you know, I've always been a small operator, right? And, but through this podcast and through STR Legends and Profit Academy, like I've met so many large operators. And one thing that always kind of blows my mind is they'd run like 100, 150 units. And I'd ask them like, hey, when, when did you start? And then they'd be like, oh, like last year, you know, or like a year and a half ago. <laughs> I'm just thinking like, that's, that, sound, that just sounds insane to me. I mean, it is insane. Like last year, like when we were scaling rapidly, I, I remember over the summer, I, I, I had bought a new motorcycle. I love riding motorcycles. It's like the one thing that'll get me out of my head. When you ride a motorcycle, if you're not focused on riding the motorcycle, you're going to die. So you kind of forget about everything else. <laughs> it's forced forgetting about everything else. But um, I had bought a motorcycle out on uh, North of Virginia Beach, and I rode it from the Atlantic Ocean to Los Angeles. But on the trip, I, I stayed at several of our competitors just to see how they were doing, like Sonder, um, Lyric, Wander Jaunt. And to be honest, I, I, like, I wasn't really that impressed. You know, I, I, I could spot all the things that like, were getting missed. And uh, you know, it was like, oh, this is probably just a function of growing too fast. Like, we're in the hospitality industry. You really got to focus on like, how do you nail it for the guest? I mean, that guest experience, how... How do you do better than the next guy? How do you do better than the next company? And like, you can't blitz scale that aspect. I mean, blitz scaling software is one thing. Blitz scaling like real estate and people, I, it doesn't work. <laughs> right. So you're gonna so, so in the going forward uh, in the future, you're gonna you're gonna take a bit of a slower pace when it comes to expanding. Yeah, because I mean, if, if you look like if we're going to focus on buying and ownership and doing smaller deals, but earning our keep and creating the wealth through the actual, the real estate itself, like I said, I mean, the Vegas property I bought, there's, there's like 150,000 in equity in it now. 
Like we only put 21,000 down and that's like a little over three years. So it's important. Like, you know, what I've even learned with myself is it's very important, like to just enjoy the journey and not be so hyper-focused on the destination. Cause I mean, the journey is the bulk of what we've got in life. I mean, we, we have our, our moments of achievement where we, we reach the destination, but hell, if you're not enjoying the ride and you're not doing it right, what's the point? So I think we're going to be very comfortable to grow slower, to grow wiser. I'm sure everyone had this problem in, with the mass release model, but like when COVID started, those negotiations with landlords, they were not fun. You know, and, I, and I had to have those negotiations across four countries at the same time. <laughs> I mean, th- those were the kinds of meetings I wanted to do in person, too, because, like, I mean, they're tense meetings, and it's like you really want – it's hard to convey over the phone. It's hard to convey over a Zoom call, like, what you really want to convey and, like, having to persuade people of your opinion. Because I called all of our people, like, in March – we were heavily weighted in Arizona. So major league baseball spring training, like in Arizona, like you have three months to just blow up and that's where you earn most of your revenue. And we were like right in that and they canceled major league baseball spring training. And I was like, this is going to be bad. We looked at what was going on with COVID and I immediately reached out to everyone. I said, Hey, this is all going to grind to a halt. You need to take, you need to either take your properties back or we can run management during the time period but if you feel like you can get long-term tenants and now you're this is your loss mitigating strategy so i i didn't want to like try to do a holdout on any of these guys because i didn't want to hurt them but they also they probably thought my opinion they maybe didn't necessarily agree with me when i was saying it it's the middle of march and we saw it coming four months on five months on whatever it is now we see how bad it's been even that trying to persuade people like that my opinion on what was going to happen was correct and that everything was going to grind to a halt, you know, that was difficult. So I'd rather not have to deal with landlords. I'd rather be the landlord going forward <laughs> in the future. <laughs> Dude, I, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. My dream has always been uh, I want to own properties in different locations around the world, uh, locations that I love to go to and love to stay at and then rent them out when I'm not there. So, um, so, so yeah, like you said, like, you know, I don't have any, any bookings right now or hardly any bookings, but like you said, you know, I still own the asset, you know, over time they typically appreciate in price. When travel comes back, so my, my, my properties are mostly in international, are international destinations, so it might take a while, but the asset's still there, right? So I'm just losing out on some, on some income. But, uh, but yeah, man, that's, that's really interesting. You've got a really interesting story. Uh, I want to get you back on the podcast in like a year or so and see where you're at with those, with those camper vans or, you know, see if you if you've gone down the road and buy more properties, thank you for sharing your, your story. I know it must've been a, a, a difficult time. Um, so thanks for, you know, being open and vulnerable and sharing all of that. Any final words before we uh, wrap this up? Yeah, I think the last learning I, I had in all this was like, when you're building a company, you know, when you're building a brand, like the brand has to be you. It needs to reflect who you are. It needs to reflect what you enjoy. Otherwise, uh, what's the point? And so even like when we look at getting in the camper vans and the like like that, I mean, I'm a thrill seeker. I love adventure. So 
having lots of urban inventory is great for the travel aspect. Pop from big city to big city, you know, yeah, go clubbing, fun. But the brand, Sojourn 2.0, I mean, the focus has to be on building a brand that's actually, it's reflective of who I am and my personality because I'm the guy driving it forward as the founder. So I just admonish everyone as you build your companies, make sure that that is a top priority because money is awesome. It's fun to have lots of it. But when times get tough, if the only thing motivating you is money, it's not going to be a big enough motivator. Dude, that's great. Uh, that's great advice, man. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Awesome. Um, all right, man. Thanks. Thanks for thanks for being on the podcast. Uh, thanks for being in our uh, SDR Legends community. It's been really fun getting to know you. And uh, to the listeners, thank you for listening. And uh, next Monday, we'll be back with another episode of uh, Get Paid for Your Pet. So see you then. Get paid for your pet. 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 Hey, fellow hosts. If you want to take your hosting business to the next level, then join the Short-Term Rental Profit Academy. Whether you own, rent, or manage properties, we have the resources, the tools, and the community to help you achieve your goals. The Short-Term Rental Profit Academy is ready for any host, any size, and includes a membership portal with over 50 hours of video lessons, a private Facebook group, and weekly live coaching calls, where Eric and I give you direct feedback and help you solve your biggest challenges. We're all about taking action and getting results. So if you're ready to start crushing it, sign up for our program at strprofitacademy.com.